freestyle on the next one that would be awful <laughs> i am not a freestyler i've been in bands and different music projects for as long as i can fucking remember and um lyrics have always and i've i've i've, I've been writing quote-unquote poetry since i was a teenager but lyrics fucking lyrics are hard like, lyrics are awesome you just say fuck a couple of times that's what i do well yeah talk about your dick do, well oh, uh, again i don't do hip-hop so if i did that's you know before we soul. get before we get too started, uh, too started. So next next Turnt. week Turnt. we're going to be live on YouTube. Not, not next week. Well, the, the next 11th, podcast, February eleventh, yeah. two thousand and twenty one, two, two thousand twenty two. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. What perfect. year is it, Dan? February eleventh. Yes. yes, we will be live yeah. on YouTube. YouTube. It'll be more in the evening, probably. I don't mm-hmm. know, like somewhere between four and six mountain time. We haven't really boiled that down. Um, I'll yeah, put a link go... to the channel in the podcast description so people can go subscribe and see it when it actually goes live. There you go. I'm going to, I'm going to push some stuff on Twitter and Facebook and stuff like that. So if you follow us there, we'll put a link uh, on the YouTube version of this video or this audio. Yeah. We're going to, uh, we're going to play a video game and bullshit live. So we'll see how quick it takes us to get banned. <laughs> Hell yeah. I can't wait. So a little something different. We're going to try to do this like maybe once a month or some once every, every couple of episodes or whatever, just um, try something a little bit different. Um, and YouTube has much like Twitch, I think has like a, um, people can comment and stuff, right. You know, uh, like the chat. Yeah, a live chat. Live chat. Does YouTube do that, Adam? Yeah. Yeah. And people actually, uh, during a lot of live streams, people actually donate. And, you know. Ooh, we could open up donations. I'm down with that. So make some some bullshit merchandise. Make some bucks. (laughs) Make some quick bucks. Some bullshit merchandise. (laughs) God. That just just rolls off the tongue. So, um, yeah. And we're planning on making it festive. Very, <laughs> very festive. And by festive, we mean fucking ignorant in the style that you would expect us to be fucking ignorant. So, <laughs> um, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to try to have some fun with it. It's um, it's it's going to be a little bit different than the, uh, the, the horrible, boring shit that we put you through on these podcasts. But some of you fucking weirdos keep listening. Um, I've got a couple folks that uh, usually after we post the post the episode within a couple of hours, I'll get messages, smart ass comments from people about shit that we've talked about. It's fun. I enjoy it. Uh, we're actually and the 11th will be um, basically be our two year anniversary that we've been doing this. We started on Valentine's Day um, in 2020. Actually, yeah. um, that's a, a fun listen. Because we're talking about how COVID's not really going to be that big. Yeah, yeah, I went back and listened to it too. I was like, that didn't age well, did it? You know, uh, it's not going to. It'll be fine. Yeah, no, so. it'll be like a cold. Yeah, you know. Um, oh well, we're going to be doing the live thing at some point. Um, 
maybe the next one after that, I'm going to make, I'm going to figure out how to get rich to fucking, uh, dial in and for a, for like a two year anniversary episode. So, um, cause you go back and listen to him and he's a jackass. I miss him. Um, we will teleport him in from 1987. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We'll bring him in from 1987 and see what we can do. Um, hell, I might just have him come down here to the apartment and, uh, just sit here and fucking do it live. So I don't know. We'll come up with something. Um, what's it? Oh yeah. My ADD train. Uh, we were talking about hip hop and about lyrics and saying dick a lot. And I, we were talking about Elon Musk, you know, and Adam said he's not a, he's not a big fan. And uh, I kind of like the guy. And, but on the flip side of that, right. Adam is a Kanye West fan and I'm not, but I did see an interview with him that was really fucking interesting because the guy asks him, you know, there are people that say that you have turned your back on the culture. And he says, I absolutely have. And he said, uh, you know, the culture is that we're supposed to be running around in like these foreign cars and rapping about fucking other people's women and, you know, about going to prison. He said, but then we turn around and we want prison reform, you know, and it's interesting to see that and hear that because it's something that I've always kind of noticed myself, right? Is that you don't have to, it seems like kind of slavery or, or pushing people down is more of a mentality now and you can do it with pop culture. You can do it with uh, putting people into this idea that that's what's important. You know, and Kanye's like, why don't you go take that money that you're spending on, you know, a Mercedes and go buy some land, go buy some property somewhere. And, but that's not what, that's just not what pop culture is at all. White, black, or in between pop culture is about, uh, you know, excess and who's got. Well, it's not exciting to buy land. I mean, and I guess that's it, right? It's, it's the, it goes back to dopamine, (laughs) you know? Oh my God, I just bought this land. I can't wait for 20 years when it appreciates. But you know, as a mid forties white guy, that excites the fuck out of me. I would love to buy some land somewhere. That's actually Sam. I don't think mid forties white guy is the target demographic for most pop music. For most pop culture in general, right? Yeah. Yeah, You know, I guess it's time. Hello, fellow kids. It's like... (laughs) It's like people that think they'll never get old is kind of the target demographic. Yeah, that's fair. And I, I feel old as fuck these days. Um, well, that'll, that'll happen when they fucking embroider uh, live, laugh, love on your abdomen. <laughs> <With mesh. laughs> You've been so, branded. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's like a little rose and like a fucking uh, a smiley face on one side. So shit still hurts. Um but yeah, well, buying property, I would love to buy a couple of acres somewhere. It doesn't have to be special. It doesn't have to be fucking, but to be able to go and, and sit on my property and it's mine, that excites the fuck out of me. Yeah. You would like Yellowstone. You, I, I refuse to get into any more shows <laughs> right now, but the chick on there is so fucking hot. It's painful. Yeah. Um, she, yeah. The British chick that's not British on the show, but um, yeah, she's. Dear God, she's hot. Um, it's weird, but I, I think, honestly, the older I get, personality and attitude is a lot hotter than, you know, physical features. Now, again, she's built, right? It doesn't hurt that she's fucking banging. But um, I was having this conversation with somebody, you know, back in my 20s, if you were hot, you'd own me. 
I mean, if you were hot or what I thought was hot, because that's subjective, you'd fucking own me. I'd just be a, I'd be a dumbass, right? <laughs> I'm in love. And now I'll meet, you know, physically attractive women and they open their mouth and I'm like, <laughs> I'm just like, nope. Um, and people, oh, you still fuck them though. No, actually I wouldn't. I'm not. You've learned. You do. You you do. You've been well, classically trained to know that <laughs> when you fuck a woman that acts like that, it leads to bad things. <laughs> Pavlov got nothing on my wiener. <laughs> so, Pavlov's wiener. Right, Doug? Schrodinger's yeah. scrotum. Schrodinger's scrotum. <laughs> well, I mean, most it's people... there not there. <laughs> most people go through that because, you know, in your teens and your 20s, your hormones are still raging Touché. like a motherfucker. Touche, man. And it's like, go out and plow the universe. Yeah, it's about it, procreating. And then after you've done that, you know, there, there comes some time, it's usually somewhere in your thirties where you sleep with somebody that you found physically attractive. And then you go to have a conversation and then you're like, <laughs> and, and sometimes even in your twenties, you're like, Oh God, what have I done? Oh dude. <laughs> Goes back to the old, you know, we've discussed this many, many times, the old post nut clarity. Um, what have I done has been muttered by me more than more than once in, in some chick's apartment or trailer or <laughs> it's such a mom's house. It's a weird thing. Cause like you truly don't understand do you not? No, it is true. And it's what, what kills me is that, you know, they say insanity, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And I think sex is like that with, a lot of people, right? You, you look, you ignore red flags, you ignore uh, so many things to get into bed and then you nut and brain chemicals fucking settle and do whatever they do. And then, yeah, you go, Oh, I've made a terrible mistake. Yeah. This was a bad <laughs> idea. And well, then I mean, go, go ahead, Doug. Sorry. A good analogy would be, Go into the grocery store hungry. I, I would agree with that. <laughs> I would agree with that, right? And what, what kills me is then when, when you'll, you'll think to yourself, okay, this was a mistake. I shouldn't have done it. And then a couple of days later, he or she hits you back up and you're like, how you doing? <laughs> it's like, did, Dan, did you forget about 48 hours ago when you were laying in their apartment thinking this is a terrible fucking idea? Did you not? Did you forget all about that? And your fucking dick's like, hey, hey, you, brain, shut the fuck up. Send all um, the blood down here, buddy. You don't need it. <laughs> yeah, I got all the blood for a reason right now there, Skippy. Um, and, you know, I have joked, but it's true. I've done it. That before you go out on a date or before you go out or, or whatever the case may be, jerk off, flick the bean, do whatever gets you where you need to be, dude. Get... Don't go to the grocery store hungry. Don't go out with a loaded gun. Whatever fucking analogy never, you want to use. That never works for me. There have been nights where I have not gone out after jerking off. I'd be like, I'm going to go out tonight. We're going to go to the bars, take the bike out, do the stuff and the things. And I'm like, yeah, feeling a little, uh, feeling a little ornery. Going in, you know, do my business. I'm like, Ugh. 
What's on Netflix? I think I'm just going to fucking hang out at the apartment tonight. Yeah, that's why I've it doesn't it. work for me. I never I never end up going out after. I'm just like, yeah. I want to be home right now. Right? I want to be. But it did work for you because it kept you out of trouble. It kept you from getting into dumb situations. It saved you money. I, I'm telling you, man, It's you should, you should just never go out wound up like that. If you're horny and you're thinking on a Friday night, you're going to go out to the bar and find you a piece of whatever you're into. I'm telling you, it's a bad fucking idea. It just is. I've, um, please use my experiences as, you know, <laughs> whatever. Um, that's funny, man. It just is. And, and, you know, mid forties and I, I, I'm still feel like I'm fucking 20. I'm a horny old, dirty old man. So, um, someone I'm told me once, to- they were really old and they were like, I haven't changed since I was your age. Now I just look in the mirror and I'm old. There's a lot like, of truth to that. <laughs> That's kind of scary. <laughs> There's a lot of truth to that. You, you, I don't feel 44, right? Like, well, I do when my fucking nuts are on fire because of surgery or because I, I sneeze and fucking throw my back out. Um, Cat Williams had a great, fucking skid on that you know he's limping and somebody's like hey man what happened you know did you, did you get into a fight whatever nah i just got out of bed too fast <laughs> <laughs> and that's when you you feel your age but mentally dude there are days i feel 17 there are days that i feel like i don't have a fucking clue what i'm doing there are days that i i feel incredibly immature and out of sync with like my body and the years that i've been on this planet isn't it weird that like you have the power to do whatever you want, even though you still have no idea? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, and I think about like, you, you know, the movies where like the adult will get zapped back into their body when they're 17 or whatever, you know? Yeah. And personally, like for me, that would be a personal hell for me <laughs> because yeah, you'd be young and Vero and have all this energy, but that was 17, you know, and you, you know, you may not fall into the exact same traps, but you would still fall into traps sure. because there are biological reasons that you behave <laughs> that way at that age. And it's, and it's not all about your sex drive. Your sex mm-hmm. drive is a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. But if you took me, you know, it's like I'm, I'm a fairly well-balanced adult. You know, I've got my quirks. I've got shit I'm weird about. But if you take me and you put me back into 17 <laughs> year old Doug brain, right? I mean, just biologically speaking uh-huh. the, you know, what happens as your, your, your body grows. And especially as your brain grows, um, when you hit your teenage years, all of the centers that are responsible for creativity, they light on fire and they grow first. And what stops, you know, you, you effectively your bullshit filter is your front prefrontal cortex, you know, everything in the front of your head. And that is the last thing to form. I'm still waiting so. for mine. <laughs> the record. Still waiting yeah. for that one to close off. I, I, I'm not going to argue with you there. <laughs> so, um, you know, if you sit there and put me back in 17-year-old Doug brain, it would 
be like, I would know that there are some things that I need to do, but biologically speaking, I necessarily wouldn't be able to stop myself. I think for me, the only positive to that would be that I could go back and tell myself to just chill the fuck out. I mean, because there was normal 17-year-old... Because <laughs> that works. Right. There's normal 17-year-old angst and shit that I went through, but then with my my background and my upbringing, there was a lot of bullshit that I dealt with that I shouldn't have had to. And I think having an adult around um, that gave a fuck about me, uh, even if it was me in my own body, this is getting weird. Um, then it, it would have, I, I always wonder what I would be like today if I would have had even one decent fucking role model or just one person in my life that <clears throat> seemingly gave a fuck about me and tried to help me do the right thing, you know, instead of what I went through. And that would be the interesting thing is to see if you took me now, put me back then in a more, you know, but then Doug's got to throw in fucking biology and he's right. And I'm like, God damn it. I'd be the (laughs) same fucking mess, but I'd be an arrogant bastard because I'd have a 44 year old brain in there going, duh, what the fuck, George? Um, But that's uh, one of the things that, I, I go to therapy. I think most people know that if they don't know that they should know that. And you should probably be in therapy too. Um, but I talked to my, my therapist about that, about always being curious about what would happen. And, uh, she's actually very interested in me, uh, doing, she, she said that about third or fourth, uh, session, she thought to herself, this dude would make an incredible counselor. Like, you know, and she finally said something about it. She said, have you ever thought I said, well, yeah, I said, but I'm not going to, I'm 44 years old, dude. I'm not going to go get a fucking master's degree and, and go that route. I'm just not, I looked into being a life coach, but the more I read up on life coaches, dude, that is a scam. That is such a fucking scam, dude. It's I'm like, you know, (laughs) I don't even want to be called a life coach. It's for shredded millennials who don't actually know what they're doing. You couldn't tell that from the face of it. I, you know, I felt like it was one of those things where, there that it was kind of dumb and shitty but maybe on the back end you know maybe there were some decent but everything i've researched it's it's just trash i i think adam's right it's it's for people that didn't have fucking parents that need some i I don't know i don't even know it's such a fucking mess um your your tony robbins kind of kind of bullshit all you got to do is just wake up and go get it go get it man that'll be 200 bucks right it's all catchphrase and it's really and they even say it's about it's more about marketing yourself and branding teaching people to brand themselves and things like that and i'm like hold up you know i i want to help people stop fucking generational trauma maybe i'm maybe i'm aiming too high here um, but she said she wants to talk to me about some of my options and, and I'm guessing I have a sneaking suspicion because she worked with, um, young boys for like 15 or 20 years before she changed practices. And I have a sneaking suspicion. She's going to want me to do like, uh, uh, what do they call that? Big brothers and, yeah. you know, stuff like that. And I'm Being very, a mentor, a mentor. Right. And I'm very seriously considering it where a few years ago, I'm a little nervous about it. Just but I think that that means that I'm serious about it. Like if you're not, if you're not nervous going in, knowing that you're helping to shape the mind of a, of, of a young person, then you should fuck off. Um, you should be a little nervous, but I'm actually thinking about doing it uh, at, at some point. I don't know that I'm ready yet, 
because I do think about that. And I think about, again, you know, I've said before, I think on the podcast that if one person hears a story that any of us tell, or if, if somebody hears anything that any of us share and it makes them feel a little less fucking weird or alone or whatever the case may be, then I feel like I've done more for humanity than a lot of people have, or that we've done more for humanity than a lot of people have. And to think that the bullshit bullshit podcast is a humanitarian effort makes me giggle. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, a lot of what we share, you know, I think all three of us are like that, that, that all three of us are pretty good people and we do want people to be happy and healthy and everything. You know what I hate? Me? Well, yeah, but like some, I hate a lot of things, but Fair it enough. was about something else specifically. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Sorry. So like when I started working in like a corporate environment, there are a lot of people that like don't want anything out of life. Like they just want to like buy like a boat and then like that's all that they want. Yeah. And that's very strange to me because like you're not. Like I'm a creative person and it feels like there's like no, there's like so few creative people like in, in that world. Like they just want to get like stuff and then that's it. Well, and I think that's because creative people don't thrive in corporate environments. Corporate environments are autonomous beehive like environments, you know, and it is about the money. Um, well, well I've known a part. lot of, creative people, you know, it, it, it's, it's not the vast majority by any stretch. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's more like it would best be described as like the 3% and the people that I've known that were creative in the thing, in the industry, it was just a means to an end. It was, right. you know, I'm, I, I do this other stuff. I'm, I'm here to get a paycheck and have health insurance. Right. And, you know, it, and that kind of happens, but, you know, uh, it, it's a totally different environment um, when you get into the corporate world, the technical world, uh, technical world, especially uh, because like people that get really good uh, in technical stuff, throw a rock hit a person who's somewhere on the spectrum. On the spectrum. <laughs> we were just talking about that. <laughs> right. I mean, a lot of the, we work in tech and a lot of the folks I joke, I, I joke, but I'm kind of being serious that I believe a lot of them are on the spectrum. A lot of them are, are autistic Asperger's um, because socially they're somewhat awkward and they have a difficult time, but you put them into a, if you put them into zeros and one, um, it uh zeros and ones sorry they they go nuts you know you you start talking logically and they go nuts um whereas creative being creative is is typically the opposite of of logical um i think that some of us adam myself we we kind of walk that line in between i'm actually a very logical person um, but I'm also very creative and I've known people that were creative and they, they made their living off of it. You know, I tried music, uh, and realized that, I, I wasn't talented enough is what it boils down to. And I know this now I had the drive and there is something to be said about bands like, you know, fucking green day and shit that 
aren't super talented, but they were able to write catchy songs, do the fucking thing, package them up, sell them. Uh, I, I didn't have that opportunity. I didn't, I didn't do that. I did photography for a while and tried to make money off of it. Again, just I'm not good enough is what it boils down to in, in the creative market. So now my creative side, which I don't foster as much as I should, I've actually been thinking about that a lot lately, um, is really just an outlet and for fun. Um, I think for some people, and I was one of them, when you start to, when your creative side starts to become your, your means of eating, um, it can fuck with it a little bit, you know? <laughs> yeah. And like I do my videography and my photography and stuff like that. And people have asked me, they're like, man, you're, you're pretty good. I'm like, I'm, I'm really not in the grand scheme of things, but to someone who has no idea how to use Adobe Premiere. Yeah. I look like I know what I'm doing. Um, and they've asked me, man, have you ever thought about doing this? You know, I bought the drone and I've had people ask me if I'm, if I've ever thought about like monetizing that and everything. And the answer has been a resounding no. Um, for me, my income will always be, on that corporate side, you know? Um, but I fully understand what Adam's talking about. Like the people that just have no real ambition. Besides, yeah. They just lose me. They're like, Oh yeah, I went on vacation here and it cost this much, but I'm like, I don't care how much your vacation costs. And they're like, yeah. And then I bought this car and it cost this much. And mm-hmm. I, 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 I turned around and, and I told him I was only going to give him, I'm like, I, I, don't like, what do you actually want to do in life? Right. And they don't, the thing is though, Adam, is that there are a lot of people out there who have zero ambition to do anything. And there are days that I question what I want to do. Um, those days usually end in why <laughs> and start with every, um, but my music and my what little art I do and the photography and all that, it keeps me happy. It, it keeps me. And, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. When somebody compliments one of my photos or whatever, like I don't want people to tell me I'm good just because they're my friends. That's a, uh, that's an echo chamber, right? Just like politics or anything else. If you get into this thing where everyone's like, and dude, we've all known that guy. We've all known that person that they're, fucking parents gave him a, a participation award or something for me. It was in photography. Like I know that I'm not a great photographer, right? I'm, I'm decent at it. Like my, most of my stuff doesn't suck. If I post something or I show it to the public, it's decent. Right. And some of them have been really good, but I've known people that you know, I mean, he's a great fucking photographer. And I look at us and I'm like, no, <laughs> he's not. There's no composition. He doesn't understand how his camera works. I can tell by the, the photo, you know, there's whatever. And people are like, well, it's subjective, man. You just got to, you got to understand it. Like, All right, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I hate um, it when someone says something's good. And then when you argue, they're like, oh, it's subjective. It's subjective. Right. And it's like, okay, well then don't call it good. Say, <laughs> I, I like find it. this appealing. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, art's the same way. I understand it's subjective and I understand that what what I like might not be what the next guy likes. Music's the same way, right? Um, it's, there is, you know, Adam every now and again be like, no, dude, that is objectively bad. <laughs> <laughs> and that always cracks me up because he takes the time to put objectively, basically letting me know 
No, Dan, this is not about opinion. This is trash. You know it's trash. <laughs> I know it's trash. Everybody knows it's trash. And and that always amuses me because he's usually right. I usually agree with him wholeheartedly. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of people like that. And I know, and I know exactly the type of person you're talking about. Um, some people, money is really all they want uh, to achieve, you know, that, that they make more money than the next guy. And I get it, right? It's like the caveman having more sticks and fire than the other guy. <laughs> you know, it means he's going to have a more comfortable evening when he's not cold. I get it. And that's really all money does, right? Is it offers opportunities or, or it releases stress. We've, I think we've all three had this conversation where there was a time where I had a car that I went through, I think like two or maybe three spare tires. Like I was borrowing spare tires off of other people and then it would blow and I'd put another spare tire on it because I couldn't afford the um, 60 bucks or whatever it was for a tire. And now I'm rocking, I think my tires run about 250 a piece um, on that fucking Jeep. And if one of them blew out, just shredded itself, I could go buy another one, right? And it wouldn't it wouldn't mean me having to decide yeah. if I eat or if I pay a bill or whatever. Um, when's the last time either one of you were at the gas station and watched the pump while it was running to make sure you didn't put, you know go over what you had in your pocket? Right. No, I I usually get back in my car and light a cigarette, <laughs> light a cigarette and leave it running, and you know play with matches. <laughs> I've seen and those rub dudes. my arm against the seat to build up static. <laughs> Get some static going. See if we can. <laughs> we're going to test that sticker, um, and that's you know that's what I like about money. I, I'm not a big. Um, I don't need tons of money. Adam and I just had a really good conversation about this. I don't know a couple of weeks ago. About. Uh, the more money you make, the more money you spend, right? And that's just, <laughs> yeah. it's all of us. We all do it. And what's funny is, is that, you know, for me, I make a very comfortable salary. I'm very happy with, with my life in that, in that sense, right? Um, but every now and again, I'll find myself thinking, oh, I need to make more money. No, you don't, Dan. You need to stop fucking spending it on you need stupid to spend shit. Less. Yeah. Right. I'm looking around at the stupid shit. I just said I have a drone. <laughs> I actually uh I got my budget in order a few months ago. And as soon as I stopped like spending stupid, like like just buying stupid <laughs> shit or like going DoorDash like fucking multiple times a day. Yeah. I was like I like thought I forgot to pay a bill. I was like, why is all this extra money in my account? Why do I have money? What the <laughs> fuck? Why do I have money? Right. And and I've done the same thing uh, not about a year ago. I kind of had that same thought and cut back my spending. And I, I swear to God, I had the exact same thought. I was going, something's wrong. I have, <laughs> I have a little more in here than I think I should. Um, and... I, yeah, we talked about the DoorDash. I remember you, I was like, dude, how much you spend? And you're like, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> and when people ever ask you, they're like, oh, just DoorDash something. I'm like, no, I'm not paying $32 for a fucking cheeseburger. I will tell you off the record, but it was a lot, dude. <laughs> it was a goddamn a lot 50. That's what it was. Once I added it up, I was like, I am uninstalling this fucking shit from my phone. <laughs> I love it. And that's, but that's, um, it's common. I think we all do it, you know, and there's a difference between 
you should enjoy your money. You should enjoy having some cash. You should enjoy being able to buy things and stuff like that. But when you're racking up credit card debt and you're just buying everything that you want, and then you're complaining that you don't make enough money, um, but right, you're door dashing every day, you're doing Starbucks every day, whatever the case may be. But again, pop culture and um, keeping up with the Joneses and all that, it wants you to be a consumer. I mean, look at the look at the word consumer. You know, they want you to spend that money and um, give it to them, and and that's fine. But think about what you're think about what you're getting for that money. Like you know, going out and buying property or, uh, excuse me. My big thing is being debt free. You know, uh, you go back in time and they had debtors' prisons. You know, and I kind of think that debt is a modern prison even, or it's still a prison today, right? Because when you get just jacked up on debt, man, you've got tens of thousands of dollars in credit cards and a car that you don't need or whatever. Um, you got to keep jobs you don't want. (laughs) It's that simple, right? Um, we all know how it's how they meant billionaires because, um, you know, that, we, we've discussed this part quite a few times where being broke costs you more money. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Fees and fines and percentages and credit ratings and all of that. And the shitty thing that you have to buy that you're going to have to buy six of. Yeah, because you can't afford the, the good the one. The one from, that's not going to break. Yeah. You know, take the bus and could, can't ever afford a car because you're, you know, constantly paying to take the bus and and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you mean by minting billionaires? Doug? Well, it's, you have to have a sort of think, think of it like a reverse funnel, you know, in order for, you know, and while this is not always true, it's true of uh, people that have been, that have opened these check cashing businesses uh, these payday loan businesses. Um, I was trapped in one of those myself uh, right around the time that I was Adam's age mm-hmm. uh, before I wised up. And, you know, they 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 did the thing, um, a, a nice introductory offer. <laughs> hey, you've got six weeks to pay us back. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, this isn't necessarily a bad deal. I need money right now. And mm-hmm. I give them a little bit more money back. And uh, then as soon as they've got you in it, and, you know, and they wanted you to borrow the maximum amount, you know, whatever it was that you actually needed. Let's say <laughs> your power got shut off in, you know, 19, uh, you know, nineties or early two thousands power bill, you know, your past due power bill was like 180 bucks. And you you were going to borrow $200 so you could pay off your power bill and then in turn, you know, get your power cut back on whatever else. And then when you got paid, it was, you know, 200 bucks, which was more substantial to me back then, but it was still conceivably doable. But their maximum was $500 and they just kept pushing that the entire time. So I borrowed what I needed that first time. And uh, then when I came back through the door for something else that happened, 
because, you know, back then I looked at my checking account like this is all my money. This is all the money that I have. And it was like it was my mission in life to spend it all. <laughs> so, um, so you know, it, it, it was like it was a goal just to see it at fucking zero. But <laughs> it's like DB, you got to keep them at zero, man. It's perfect. Yeah. So, you know, once I went back and I actually borrowed the maximum amount, it was 500 bucks. It took me about three months to get out of that. Yeah. And in that three month time period, what they would do is once they got you to borrow that maximum amount, they would set the loan term at the minimum they were legally allowed to. Because if you don't have $500 right now, odds are you're not going to have a spare $500 10 days right. from now. Yeah. And they get you, <laughs> so, they get you inside of a, of a fucking feedback loop. Right. So it was like you would come in, pay them the money and then immediately turn around and borrow that $500 back, which was costing you a hundred and some odd dollars every time. So they're making 130 bucks every 10, you know, 125 bucks every 10 days. So you take that 125 bucks every 10 days, multiply that by three months. There you go. That's how they are making their money. And those Mm -hmm. people that started those places went from like one location to like dollar general locations, yeah. dollar general in, like in, fucking locations know, in the span of a year. Mm-hmm. And those people were making so much money hand over fist that they did not know what to do with it. And that's what I'm talking about. It's that reverse funnel. You've got all these people mm-hmm. each contributing their own 125 bucks to this guy's back pocket every 10 days. Yeah, he he's got the they've got so much money they don't know what to fucking do with it. And I think, you know, I got caught up in one of those ones too, kind of a similar situation. Yeah, you know, like you said, power bill, probably about Adam's age, maybe a little younger, went and you know, like fucking sixty percent interest or whatever they were. And what the fuck? Yeah, it wasn't that high, but it was it was dumb. No, it's it like, was it was hundreds or thousands when annualized as an APR. Yeah. yeah. Because if you borrow five hundred bucks and you pay 125 bucks in interest on a 10 day period. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was nasty. Go. It was fucking nasty. And I kind of got in the same thing. Right. And like he said, it, it took me like three months to pay off 500 bucks. And it goes back to what he was saying about, you know, it costs money to be poor. Like, you know, I think my, my vehicle loan when I got it was 2% or something like that, but I was also rocking an 830 on my, my credit score. Uh, which I had been grooming for about two years to get right where I wanted. Um, but there, and, and the argument is, well, Dan, you're not a risk. You know, you're, you're, you're not a risk. I wasn't a risk when I had a 650. I had a bad run with fucking medical bills and some stupid decisions when I was 18. Um, that Hyundai that I had, uh, I actually paid 12% interest on my car loan. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Because I had bad credit and they're like, well, you're a risk. Okay, so I'm a risk, and your answer to that is to charge me ten times what we don't think you can pay it. So we want you to pay more. So we're gonna right, and and that's and and 
the argument as well in case you default or whatever. Brother, if I default on this fucking loan, that 12% ain't no different than a 2%. You're, you, you still didn't make your money back. You made some <laughs> money, but you didn't make your money back. You know, yeah. I, I lost my job or something, was freaked out because I was going to miss a payment. I called him up and I, I was almost in tears like because I liked my car and I, and, and I wasn't trying to be that guy, you know. And this dude's just like, because I was like, please don't take my car. <laughs> and the guy's like, Mr. Adams, we don't want your car. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And they just, they skipped that payment and tacked it onto the end of the loan. And I was like, okay, cool. Right. Um, but the idea that, that because you're high risk, you pay more back really doesn't make sense. You can argue with me and you can say, well, it's because we got to make our money and we, and all that. Right. But it's okay. Okay. So I got a 2%, right. With an 830. So then math wise, and Doug will tell you, Dan, no math good, right? But just hear me out. Damn right. Dan, if I, no math good. Dan, no math good. If I have an 830 and you give me a 2%, then a 415 should be a 4%. Just saying, relatively speaking, right? It's half as good, so you charge me twice as much. I'm just saying, just a random thought. But no that would be like a 15%. And back to what Adam said, you know, we think you're a risk, so we're going to charge you more that you can't afford anyway. It's it's a scam, man. And um, I've actually been, I was reading up and actually watching some some videos, not, not congressional, but like where they were t- kind of having the hearings on Navient, right? And for a long time, I have been very anti-clearing uh, of student loans because I am a... F- I feel like these people went, they said, I want to borrow money. I want to borrow money for uh, school. You know, you chose to sign on that dotted line, right? But the more I watch and the more I I see what Navient was doing, I'm easing up on my, my stance a little bit. What were they doing? Uh, well, that's the easy thing to do because just like payday loan Right. Places are predatory. Right. Um, the uh, college loan industry got in bed with the government. I think it was back in the 80s or yep. the 90s. And they got in bed with the government hard enough to the point where if you file personal bankruptcy, like you still I, can't, you yeah. still can't get rid of your student loan. Yeah. Right. So, so there was lots of fuckery. You know, it's like there was on the face of it, you would think paying back your student loans would be a straightforward deal. And it's one of those things that it sounds logical. It's very easy to digest. And you think, oh, okay, you know, hey, you borrowed the money, you fucking pay it back because, you know, everybody else, you know, going about their normal lives who doesn't necessarily have a student loan is just thinking this works like any other loan. Like, right. I drove the car off the lot. Right. You know, I should pay it off. I should pay for the car. Right. But, um, you know, it's that there was a time in my twenties. Um, and I forget the name of the, of the technical college. I walked in and I was like, you know, I, I want to get a little bit more into computers and networking and the whole nine yards. 
I think it was like IT something. ITT? Yeah, ITT Tech. Yeah. 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 So I went down there. Go to try to find them nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> I talked so, to a guy who was going there. And then like the next year they got shut down. <laughs> They're gone. Yeah. Uh, well, see, the thing was, is prior to that, I had gone to a community college for a little while. and Obviously didn't finish it up. Uh, I think I've commented on that before. And I looked at the cost that ITT Tech was charging mm-hmm. versus the 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 classes that I would pay for at Wallace mm-hmm. and the classes that I would pay for at Wallace would have been literally 20% of the cost mm-hmm. of ITT Tech and when they showed me that number and then the next immediate thing that they did after they showed you the number was tell you how they could arrange your financing mm-hmm. options. <laughs> so they made money off of yep. you both ways. Yep. And what they were charging you to go there, I could have, you know, easily have went because, you know, there there's a lot of colleges in Alabama, you know, judging by the population, you wouldn't necessarily yeah. think that, but there nobody, are. Nobody goes to them, but they're there. So. Yeah. Uh, oh, they're and, all out of state. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, the one of the most expensive ones there was uh, Stanford, not Stanford, yeah, but Stanford. Stan- I know Stanford. S T A M for I'm just you know do it in uh, Stanford. McDonald's. Well, uh, Stanford was a private college. It mm-hmm. received no public funding. Since it didn't receive any public funding, it was more expensive. Mm-hmm. For what it would have cost me to go to ITT Tech, I could have gone to fucking Stanford. Mm-hmm. And had a had a more, like, I know people in the IT industry that there were a couple of colleges like ITT, Phoenix, um, some of those, the, the, the private uh, like schools DeVry like that. And shit like that. that. DeVry. Yeah. They just ignored those. Like they, they, there was, they had no weight because they were, you know, diploma diploma mills. mills. Yeah. And I, I had a similar experience to yours, Doug. I went to ITT kind of the same thing. And what the reason I pulled back was because I did like one of their entrance exams and they're like, yeah, you're going to have to take all your, your prerequisites. And I'm like, Dude, I've been in advanced English since I was in like seventh grade. When I was in seventh grade, they used to bus me to a college with some other people for a two-hour class. I, I went and wrote with college-level people. Like my my grasp of the English language has always been pretty strong. Again, Dan no math well, but his English brain is pretty decent. And they're like, no, 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 you, you, you botched all that. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, well, can I see the results? I'd like to see you. And they're like, no, that's, that's like private information. Like, <laughs> but it was me. Like what I scam. <laughs> did it. Well, and that's what I told, I literally told the woman, I said, this is a fucking scam. I was like, you won't show me what I missed on any of it. I was like the math. I know it started to get into like some algebra and shit that I couldn't remember how to do. I was like, I always expect when I would go back to college that, I was going to have to do the math portion again, but like the English and some history stuff and things like that, any of that prereq stuff, I was like, I don't believe you. I'm a smart guy. This is, this is bullshit. All I wanted to see was the, the actual results, right? You, you got 17 out of 38, correct or whatever. And they wouldn't yeah. show me that. They're like, no, we don't show that to you. And I was like, oh, then I'm not giving you my money. And then, yeah, about a year or two later, I was reading where the, 
fucking government was investigating ITT, and then ITT's like, no, 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 we're just going to shut the doors. No, so the thing is, we were about to close down anyway. Right, yeah. Doors are locked, furniture's gone, you can't sue us, bye-bye. But I was watching this thing on Navient, and they were showing where, like, the average call to, like, their call centers and shit is seven minutes. Um, They're they're actually uh, encouraged to get people off the phone as quickly as they can. So, again, they're not they're not helping anybody. Um, but this guy says at the end of his little, his little rant, he says, um, he goes, why don't we treat, he said it was like 44 million Americans or something like that. were struggling with their, uh, student loan debt. And he said, why don't we treat American people like we treated the banks? He said, because 44 million people are too big to fail. And that I was like, you know, well done, sir. Right. You, you, you nailed that one because he's right, man. Yeah, you, I saw that. Got, I saw a little clip from that online. Yeah, and I don't know who the guy was. He was funny and he was really irritating the fuck out of Congress or whoever yeah. the fuck they were doing. He was really irritating the shit out of them, and which was amusing to me. But he's right. Like you can say whatever you want about, uh, you know, like I said, I had this opinion that well they sh- they should just pay it back. But again, if you've got 44 million people struggling to pay their fucking bills because of these student loans, and yet a few years ago, we bailed all the banks out when they were, you know, ass over fucking head in debt and fucked. We were just like, oh, everything's fine. Don't worry about it. You know, don't you don't have to pay anything back. It's all cool. I mean, you kind of need consumers just as much as you need banks. There right? you go. Like if you no really one has need... any money to spend, then your economy you kind of you know, collapse. You got 44 million people that can't buy food and they can't buy medicine and they can't buy all these things. That's going to hurt your economy. It's going to hurt your infrastructure. It's going to hurt your country in general. Um, Let's bring this back around. Uh, When the COVID relief payments came out, Mm -hmm. Wall Street went nuts. You know why Wall Street went nuts? And it goes back to exactly what we were talking about earlier it costs you more money to be poor and newly minted billionaires make their money off of the backs of the poor. Um, And as soon as they knew all those relief payments were going out, wall street went nuts because all of them were looking forward to a big fat payday because they knew for a majority of the Americans that were eligible for those COVID relief payments, not all, but a majority, as soon as that money hit their hands, they had, you know, debts to pay or, you know, they were going to be able to uh, do something for themselves. They knew that as soon as that money came in and it was going to be a boon to those people, but they knew it was going to go right back out the door. So Wall Street, uh, you know, started breaking records as soon Mm -hmm. as those COVID relief payments went out. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I, um, I kind of had the same opinion of the, of the COVID relief payments, you know, I was like, like the first one didn't bother me. The second one was like, okay. And then there was talks of a third. I'm like, all right, folks, calm down here. You know, I'm, I'm watching my tax dollars. And and again, I'm not anti-welfare. I'm not anti-Medicaid or anything like that. I'm, I'm a fan of all of it. Um, I used welfare for a couple of years when I was married the first time. But it was starting to get like, okay, hold up. And I remember somebody got offended by that. And they're like, they told me, uh, like, well, did you turn your check back in? And I said, I never got one. 
said, I, I, I didn't fit the, the criteria, you know? And they were like, oh, oh. I'm like, yeah, yeah. So, you know. Flex. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, really? And it wasn't even, it wasn't supposed to be, right? But it was like, I, I, I didn't get one. And I don't mind that, that they did this because this is an unprecedented thing. And the second one again, but then it started to look like it was more for political reasons. You know, people are like, oh, look at all this money I'm giving you. And I am not a fan of that. I'm not a fan of government handouts. I'm not a fan of the Fed to begin with. I think the federal government has gotten way too fucking big, but that's a subject for another podcast. Um, I just, I, it, it, it baffles me that people don't understand where that money was coming from, right? They're just like, oh, the feds are giving us all this money. Where do you think just wait till the end of the year, buddy. Right. And that's another thing. I have to wonder year. how many people with tax time, I was talking to somebody uh, last night about that. She was saying that, uh, you know, with all that stuff that taxes are, are a little weird this year, as far as all the paperwork she has to have and all that. And, uh, I was like, yeah, I mean, it, there's nothing for free. And for those of you that don't know, those COVID payments come from people's taxes, people like me who did not get a check, but pays into my taxes. And again, I want to reiterate. It came from everybody's. Like, from everybody's taxes. Right. Yeah. Not just Dan. Like Dan did not pay all of the COVID No, but I mean, even world. people that qualified for the check were paying into it in taxes. Fair so. enough. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So it's well, not free money. Plus the federal government had to, you know, while it wasn't the sole cause of it, um, you know, we were running trillion dollar deficits mm-hmm. as far as a lot of that money was borrowed. So yeah. it's not necessarily equivalent to say all of us paid into it. What's more fair to say is all of us will eventually pay it. Pay pay it <laughs> yeah. back. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Speaking of, of loans. And Doug, tell them who we borrow a lot of that money from. Uh, banks, China, whatever else, because government debt, weirdly enough, is, uh, it, it, it sounds counterintuitive, but weirdly enough, government debt is kind of good for the economy, but it's kind of like drinking makes my golf game better. There, there is a point of diminishing returns. Yeah. I was going to say, um, I know some people you golf with and they, they disagree. They'd, uh. Well, it, you know, it's, it's like a, a, a few beers and my golf game is better, you know, <laughs> six uh, beers, not so much, 12 beers, right? four no. motherfucker. <laughs> so all you got to do is take a pocket breathalyzer with you onto the green. Right. When you get to a certain keep yourself in the pocket. Right. Exactly. Nothing yeah. fixes my golf game. Nothing. But the, what, what I really wanted Doug to say, and he said it was China right? We borrow a lot of money off of China. So all of you folks that are like, oh, this Chinese made shit and fucking made in America and, and, and all that bullshit, you don't understand how economies work, right? You don't understand just how in bed we are. <laughs> all of these rich fucking people, the reason shit's not made in America is because it's cheaper to have Chinese slave labor and ship it all over here and get your fucking widgets at Walmart, right? You're part of the problem when you go to Walmart and you buy all this Chinese made shit. So stop acting like, you know, there's some big conspiracy when you're buying this shit, right? You, you China want- has some rather unique social norms. Um, Indeed. Yeah. 
Um, now, one of the things that may or may not be widely known, depending upon who you talk to, is China as a culture, uh, they are really big on savings, hugely big on savings. I did not know that. Um, and one thing that's uh, going to be interesting is, you know, a lot of their savings are encouraged to be in real estate. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. I see what you're saying now. So if the real estate market in China ever crashes for whatever reason, shit's going to get interesting. That's all I'm saying. And look at all the what, what a lot of people don't know is that China is buying up the United States in giant swaths, right? There's a lot of office buildings and property and things of that nature mm-hmm. um, is being picked up by the Chinese, by these Chinese conglomerates. Um, you've got companies like Tencent that own tons of software, uh, TikTok. Well, actually, I don't think Tencent owns TikTok anymore. But um, they still like hold a majority sh- or they hold shares. They just like pinky promise not to take the data. <laughs> we, we totally swear. Um, yeah, there's uh that's something I think everybody should research is just they how own, much uh, Riot Games. So they own League of Legends and yeah, Valorant huge games, and, right? And and we all know a share that that's, of a lot of games. <laughs> and that's what the United States has really been. We, we've been a software you know, giant for a long, long time. And now China's even starting to slink into that. But yeah, look up, I challenge people to look up um, just how much uh, IP. And the film industry. (laughs) Yeah. They basically own the film industry at this point too. Yeah. Which is why a lot of, a lot of movies go the way they go. We've talked about how like Transformers just kept going and going and going. And people are like, how? Because the Chinese market fucking loves them. Um, I think Fast and Furious was the same way. You know, people in China, when you've got a billion fucking people on your in your country, they can kind of dictate. They can buy a, a lot of movie tickets. Right. It's a global, it's a global economy now, folks. The it's it's not a new world order as much as it's just uh um it's one planet again, or not again, but it's it's one planet. We're not as you know when you can get on Twitter or get online and you can talk to your buddy in China or you can see what's going on over there. I've, I've joked that, you know, if a gnat farts on the other side of the planet, somebody tweets about it, you know, it in real time, you know? So it's, it's changed the way we do things and you just have to, you got to fucking accept it, man. Fighting it and trying to stay all national is, is just not, uh, not going to work. work. Nope. It's not going to play out for you. So speaking of playing out, Mr. Lester, why don't you, uh, why don't you play us out? What does play me out mean? What does that mean to play I, us out? Just, you know, play, play us out. Fuck it. No, just, we'll do it live. Just, just play us out, man. <laughs>